Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. A few weeks ago, we discussed the contemplation of the hindrances, which were distinct from all the other exercises that we have discussed, in that the hindrances are specifically relevant to the practice of satipatthana itself. Eliminating the hindrances is how we achieve a meditative state. The factors of awakening are almost the opposite of the hindrances and therefore also specifically relevant to the practice of satipatthana itself. Both serve a monitoring function for other exercises. We talked about the factors of awakening early on in these talks as part of the background of the Satipatthana. Encouraging the factors of awakening is necessary to achieve the highest fruits of Satipatthana practice. The contemplation of the seven factors of awakening sounds like this. Again, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating phenomena as phenomena, in terms of the seven awakening factors. And how does a bhikkhu abide contemplating phenomena as phenomena in terms of the seven awakening factors? Here, there being the mindfulness awakening factor in him, a bhikkhu understands, there is the mindfulness awakening factor in me or there being no mindfulness awakening factor in him, he understands there is no mindfulness awakening factor in me, and he understands how there comes to be the arising of the unarisen mindfulness awakening factor, and how the arisen mindfulness awakening factor comes to fulfillment by development. There being the investigation of phenomena awakening factor in him, dot, dot, dot. There being the energy awakening factor in him, dot, dot, dot. There being the delight awakening factor in him, dot, dot, dot. There being the tranquility awakening factor in him, dot, dot, dot there being the concentration awakening factor in him, dot, 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 there being the equanimity awakening factor in him, a bhikkhu understands there is the equanimity awakening factor in me, or there being no equanimity awakening factor in him, he understands there is no equanimity awakening factor in me. And he also understands how there comes to be the arising of the unarisen equanimity awakening factor and how the arisen equanimity awakening factor comes to fulfillment by development. These factors actually make up a chain of conditionality. Mindfulness gives rise 
to investigation of phenomena. Investigation of phenomena gives rise to energy. Energy gives rise to delight. Delight gives rise to tranquility. Tranquility gives rise to concentration. And concentration gives rise to equanimity. And of the seven factors, we get the description of the first three factors for free because they constitute the contemplation of phenomena, the fourth satipatthana itself. The first three factors are mindfulness, investigation of phenomena, and energy. Recall, a bhikkhu abides contemplating phenomena in phenomena, ardent, clearly comprehending and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Mindfulness is that which recollects the Dharma and keeps it in mind. Investigation is contemplation itself along with clear comprehension. Energy is ardency and putting away covetousness and grief. Let's look at mindfulness, sati, a little closer in this context. In the Samyutta Nikaya, the Buddha tells us, Whenever bhikkhus, a bhikkhu dwelling thus withdrawn, recollects the Dharma and thinks it over, on that occasion the awakening factor of sati is aroused by the bhikkhu. The bhikkhu develops the awakening factor of sati at that time. The bhikkhu perfects the awakening factor of sati at that time. Whenever bhikkhus, a bhikkhu dwelling, thus sati-full, discriminates that dhamma with wisdom, examines it, and makes an investigation of it, on that occasion the awakening factor of investigation of phenomena is aroused by the bhikkhu. On that occasion the bhikkhu develops the awakening factor of investigation of phenomena. On that occasion the awakening factor of investigation of phenomena comes to fulfillment by development in the bhikkhu. This makes the function of sati clear in its primary function of recollection of the Dharma. In a given context, we see there is the mindfulness awakening factor in me. When we remember, I know, I know, we see there being no mindfulness awakening factor in me. When we forget, uh, I don't know, we understand how there comes to be the arising of the mindfulness awakening factor. By choosing a particular topic of Dharma, for instance, the sixfold sphere to contemplate. So, how does the mindfulness awakening factor come to fulfillment by development? The answer is that the recollection of the Dharma is fully internalized through the repeated practice of the other factors of awakening. Internalization of the Dharma is the key concept here, and in fact the whole point of the Satipatthana. There is nothing obscure about internalization. It is a natural process as we learn, then master any skill. 
The Dharma teaches us a skill in a very broad sense, the skill of how we live our lives, the skill of our Buddhist practice. The most advanced part of this skill is the skill of seeing correctly or knowledge and vision of things as they really are. If we master this particular skill, we are a step away from awakening. This is how the factors of awakening got their name. They are the means to master this skill by internalizing the most advanced part of the Dharma. So, internalization is how we master any skill. Suppose we want to learn to ride a bike. We bring home a Schwinn bike, take it out of the box, and read the instructions. To turn to the right, turn the handlebars clockwise. To move forward, push whichever pedal is higher forward and whichever pedal is lower backward. To stop, push pedals in the reverse direction from forward, and so on. We get on the thing, try to keep these instructions in mind, fall down, forget to turn and bump into things, miscalculate our turns. We do a similar thing when we begin to investigate the sixfold sphere. The problem is that we are dealing with a conceptual world, trying to reason our way through this world, and trying to remember the right thing at the right time. It's a lot of work and takes a lot of time. Our mindfulness is not fulfilled because it has not been internalized. Three months later, we're executing figure eights, weaving in and out of traffic, performing wheelies, standing on the seat, or hurling our bikes and ourselves at high speeds down dirt trails, hanging off the sides of mountains. All without thinking. What happened? We've internalized the original instructions. They are now a kind of muscle memory. All of our decisions and movements are spontaneous, intuitive, without conscious reasoning or calculation, and therefore almost instantaneous and effortless. It's as if our Schwinn has become an extension of our own body. We've learned by doing and actually learn skills way beyond the original instructions, skills that cannot be expressed in words or concepts. We do a similar thing when we master the contemplation of the sixfold sphere or any other exercise. We directly perceive, spontaneously and without effort, the shoddy construction of the self and other objects and our own minds attempt to sell these to us as the real thing. Our mindfulness is fulfilled because it has been internalized. We've learned to see through the eyes of the Buddha. We've learned by doing, by practicing satipatthana, mindfulness, investigation, and effort. Let's move on to the final four factors of awakening. We get the experience of the next three factors for free. The progression delight, 
gives rise to tranquility, and tranquility gives rise to concentration, is found in many places in the early discourses as something that arises naturally on its own from conditions present in various Buddhist practices, in ethics, in memorization of the scripture, in remembering the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, and so on. And, of course, in Satipatthana practice. These practices are all wholesome applications of the Dharma and therefore based, like Satipatthana, in mindfulness, that is, in recollection of the Dharma and control of attention. And they reflect skills that can likewise be internalized. Now, concentration, samadhi, is divided into four stages, the first, second, third, and fourth jhanas. The Buddha took great care to define which mental qualities are present and which are absent in each of the jhanas. Equanimity is the primary quality present in the fourth jhana. So equanimity is the seventh and final factor of awakening, and we get it for free as well. A particularly significant quality distinguishes the first jhana from the second. This is thought and evaluation, vitaka vichara in Pali. The Buddha said of vitaka vichara, thought and evaluation are the verbal formation one breaks into speech. Therefore, we can also understand vitaka vichara as discursive thought, which depends on the aggregate of formations. Discursive thought is ever-present in the normal mind and is in fact present in the factors of awakening through the first jhana. This is not to say that the mind is free to wander in the first jhana into daydreams and plotting. Its scope tends to be narrowly constrained to the topic of investigation. However, it disappears altogether in the second jhana. The Buddha accordingly calls the second jhana noble silence, though that silence continues in the third and fourth jhana as well. It seems that the aggregate of perception necessary for noting is active throughout, just not any thinking that entails formations or full-blown cognizance. The disappearance of discursive thinking in the second jhana is significant in relationship to internalization of the Dhamma. One might guess that without internalization, dharmic teachings are unlikely to be carried past the first jhana. But once they become woven into the mechanisms of perception, investigation can continue into the higher jhanas. The disappearance of discursive thinking is also significant to internal analysis. External narratives must also cease in the second jhana and beyond. Let's move on to the refrain for this exercise. In this way he abides contemplating phenomena as phenomena internally, externally, and both internally and externally, and he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how a bhikkhu 
abides contemplating phenomena as phenomena in terms of the seven awakening factors. Like the hindrances, the factors of awakening are concerned with supporting Satipatthana itself, not directly with the generation of presumptions about substantial existence. Therefore, the internal-external dichotomy makes sense only as a conditional unfolding of the subjective world. However, also like the hindrances, the Buddha recognized an overlapping dichotomy in each factor. Also, in the Pariyaya Sutta method of exposition discourse, which we discussed in relation to the hindrances. Here are the dichotomies the Buddha declares for each of the factors of awakening. Mindfulness and investigation of phenomena are each described as internal or external. This makes sense because mindfulness and investigation together correspond to Satipatthana itself, in which we investigate objects internally and externally. Jumping ahead, equanimity is similarly described as regarding things internal or things external. In the fourth jhana, we still perceive or note factors of analysis, some of which are internal to others, that is, conditions in the cognitive unfolding of the world. Our feeling toward all is one of equanimity, neither pleasure nor pain. Energy and tranquility are described as bodily or mental, that is, perceived in the body or in the mind. However, body and mind only have a rough association with external and internal. This is a somewhat awkward fit, I have to admit. This leaves delight and concentration. These are really interesting. Each is described as accompanied by discursive thinking or accompanied by no discursive thinking. Now, delight gives rise to tranquility, gives rise to concentration. The Buddha describes delight as still present in the first and second jhanas, but absent in the third and fourth. This is what tells us that we have left the second and entered the third. Therefore, delight accompanied by discursive thinking includes the first jhana, but no other jhanas. Delight without discursive thinking is that experienced only in the second jhana. Apparently, delight takes on a significantly different quality in the context of noble silence. Concentration with discursive thinking is simply the first jhana. Each of the other jhanas are without discursive thinking. The loss of discursive thought, indeed, gives concentration a radically different quality. The absence of discursive thought is also significant for internal analysis for reasons already mentioned. External narratives and yet-to-be-internalized dharma do not survive noble silence. I hope this explanation of the dharma of the seven factors of awakening suffices 
to practice their detailed investigation. It does not, however, fully explain the role these factors have in internalizing the Dharma, in integrating the Dharma into perception so that we immediately know and see things as they really are to bring us oh so close to awakening. I will devote next week's talk to the topic of the role of concentration in the internalization of mindfulness.